Welcome to Writing the Past, a space where historical fiction writers share their experiences and advice on bringing the past to life. I'm your host, Isla Finn. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Writing the Past podcast. In the last episode we spoke with Helena Barnard about her experiences publishing her first historical novel, A Painted Winter. Today we're chatting with Claudia Merrill, an Australian writer based in Vienna. Her genre is historical fiction with a bit of fantasy mixed in, and she's currently writing a novel series set in ancient times. With her stories, she brings mythology and folklore to life through the lens of history. We'll be talking about all things historical fiction, but especially on the best ways to organise your research and writing process. Claudia, it's so great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I am loving that I get to be on your podcast. I feel so (laughs) honoured. Well, it's going to be so much fun. We've known each other on Instagram for many years and we've met up in person several times and it's just great fun to talk about the subject we love most. So I was thinking as a fun sort of icebreaker question, if you could have dinner with any person in history, who would it be and why? This is such a hard question. I was thinking about this and honestly, I mean, for me, I'm more interested in regular people. So I'm not that person that's super into royalty and that kind of thing. I'm more into regular people's lives and how they lived long ago and also all of the stories and oral tradition that they had. So for me, I think I would just love to go back to these Celtic times so that I could actually understand firsthand what their stories, you know, all of their mythology stories, what they meant what the different deities like that we know of today, like Luke and for instance, Wales, like Bridget, like what do they actually mean to them? That would be amazing. <laughs> even if I could never share it with anyone else, even if like the rules of time travel are that you can never share this information, that would be okay for me just as long as I could know it myself. That's the thing with history. I feel like we always know about the big names, but we never know just about the everyday people so much. So I agree. I think that would be super interesting to meet people you know, just living their everyday existence, especially so far back in such an ancient time when you don't have as much research. I think that would be super interesting, which I guess it leads on nicely to the question, why did you choose to write? We know that you write, so you enjoy writing fiction. What led you to want to write historical fiction in particular? I think for me, like if I think back to the books that I enjoyed as a child, what I was always just drawn to history, it wasn't like a conscious decision, I guess. So, yeah, I was just always enthralled with like different time periods. And I think it's also down to like we were talking about, like how people live, but also why people do the things that they do and how that's different from the past to the present. So, yeah, because there's so many things in the past that you would never realize that were done differently. I think we always grow up thinking or we're always told that things are always this way and things have always been this way. But then actually, when you look back on the past, you realize that societies have been completely different. That, for instance, for women, like women's place in society has been completely different depending on the culture and depending on the time period. So stuff like that really interests me. And that's why I'm really into historical fiction. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I think The interesting thing about historical fiction is you're really immersing yourself in this totally different time period where people were facing so many different scenarios. But equally, the interesting thing is often people are just the same as they were back then. And sometimes we can think of it as this distant universe. But then equally, there are some things that are very different and that I guess you have to research. So 
And I guess for a lot of historical fiction writers, the research process can feel quite overwhelming because you're coming into this completely different universe where how you get up in the morning, how you dress, what you wear, what you cook is just completely different. And all that research can feel quite overwhelming. So I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about how you organize your research process in a way that doesn't make you want to tear your hair out. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, honestly, (laughs) like it took so long for me to find something that worked for me. And I do think at some point, everyone is different in the way that they best organize it. So I know that we both have different ways that we organize our research. So maybe you can also share it yours so we can contrast it but for me when I first started out I was just working in like Google Docs so I had my research I think I originally tried to do it in one Google Doc and then it multiplied it to more Google Docs and (laughs) then it was like when I would read books I was making notes in the margins and like underlining things and highlighting things and then I realized that was getting chaotic and confusing (laughs) so I abandoned that approach and then I tried to also then condense it again into a booklet and again it didn't work so then I started using Notion actually this year and that has been the biggest help for me that's like I'm using it now and I think it's honestly I would say for everyone it's the best approach but maybe there are other ways to do it but I think yeah if you're trying to write all your notes by hand I also tried that approach and it also didn't work because like you said there's just so much there's just so much to talk like to research and I like with Notion that you can create like linking in between everything so that it's you know okay this is the source I got it from and then this idea links to this idea and it's super organized and transparent so you're never gonna lose notes or lose important bits of your novel. Definitely could you briefly in a couple of lines explain what Notion is just for people who might not have used it before? Oh yeah, sure. Well, my understanding is that Notion is like a cloud-based note-taking software. So you can like just sign up with your email and you can do all of your notes and everything in the cloud. So I guess it's kind of like if your notes app and Google Drive had a baby, this would be Notion. It sounds amazing. I use Notion for work, but for my research, I'm still in that Google Docs phase of trying to just group everything under the bullet points and different headings. And it does become a bit of a nightmare. Well, I recently just downloaded Scrivener, which is a writing software that's more specialized towards writing novels and you can have several windows open and you can create research tabs. So I'm going to experiment with that, but I'm also considering Notion because it is such a good way to organize everything and just have that visual overview of all your research notes for sure. Ah, cool. I also downloaded Scrivener, but I was saving it for when I'm going to edit my novel so I can transfer like chapter by chapter into there. So then I can also stop using Google Docs for that because it gets a bit slow when you have 100,000 pages on there. I discovered that as well. After 200 pages, it starts going so slowly and buffering. And no offense to Google Docs, of course, it's a great application, but like, I think for no writing shade, long form, but... no shade, but for writing long form documents, maybe we might need to look elsewhere. But I guess the other thing we could talk about is a lot of us are balancing our writing with full time jobs, family commitments, life, and I mean, even just the impact of the pandemic in general. And so I was wondering, how do you establish a writing routine that is manageable and protects your life balance whilst also allowing you to get your novel done? That's also a hard question. I mean, I think we've had similar journeys with this in a way. And 
I think at every different stage of your life, it looks different. So when I first started, I was coming out of high school and in university. So my days were obviously a lot different. Like I wasn't working during the whole day part of the day. So (laughs) I had time to do writing outside of my classes and outside of my assignments and things like that. So at that point, when I first started, I went through a phase of writing every day. And I say phase because when I first started, I was doing some research and I was writing a bit. And then I was doing that more interchangeably. So I was doing the research and the writing around the same time, because after I got my initial ideas out, I realized, oh, I actually don't know a lot about this time period. Actually, there's a lot of things I need to research. So that was one approach. And I think it was right for the time. And then when I had a full-time job, and that was when I moved to Austria, it was, again, a different scenario because for the first, like, six months of living here, I was just so out of it and not jet lag, but your body just, I guess, acclimatizing to everything, like the language and the culture and just the shock of everything new. So at that point, I was being way more sporadic and spontaneous. But now I have gotten to a place where I really think that it's better to do a little bit every single day. And that little bit can look different depending on the person, but also can look different depending on what stage of your novel that you're at. So for me, when I'm in a writing stage, as in when I'm actually writing my novel, it's way easier for me to do about, I don't know, 30 minutes a day or maybe an hour a day in the morning before work but I think 30 minutes for solid writing for me is enough because yeah I think that the key like anything is to make it really small and manageable and just do it really frequently because then it adds up but anyway because I'm in a research phase at the moment I'm dedicating a lot longer because it takes I think a lot more time to get into it and to think about the information and to draw connections between the information so for that I'm doing like a solid chunk in the morning before work every day because I just work better in the morning. My brain can't function in the evening after work. So I think the key, like my best advice would be just to do whatever is manageable for you, but do it really frequently and try not to miss two days in a row. I think that's a really good way of looking at it because I used to be someone who was very all or nothing. And I used to think if I'm not writing 2000 words a day, I may as well just give up. And it's been a learning curve of thinking, okay, I need to write as often as I can, but I'm not going to be able to hit those crazy word counts. I won't be able to write for an hour, but I can maybe just say I write for 30 minutes or even 15 minutes a day. And I was really surprised when I started doing that. I saw how quickly things came together, so much more so than if I'd waited for a perfect time to write. And it taught me that there's never really a perfect time to do it. It's just, as you say, it's just making small spaces of time for it as often as you can. And over time, it will grow. But I think it also takes a lot more patience because you might experience a lot of frustration thinking, I want it to come together tomorrow. And so I suppose it requires a bit more, yeah, just patience and thinking, okay, this is going to take longer, but I'm just going to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process instead of setting unachievable goals, which I personally have a big tendency to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, but me too. Like I had the exact same experience that in the early stages, I just kept burning out. I would like be productive for about three weeks and then I'd burn out and then I would take a month break and then I would do the same thing over and over and over again 
and I actually got really sick from it too. And so after that, I kind of realized that it's not just something that like people throw around to seem more like, I don't know, woke or to seem more in tune with themselves more than they are. It's just practical. Like you won't be able to sustain something where you're trying to write for like five hours a day, but you can sustain something. Like you said, if you're doing even 10 minutes a day, you do get a lot done in that time. And I think that's why it's also important to track what you're doing. I recently started doing that this year and it helps your motivation so much because you can actually look back and tangibly see what you did and then you can't beat yourself up about it, right? Because you can't argue if you definitely did do that. So definitely, it's all about the small steps, I think. But I think the other thing is even with the best tools and routines in the world, there are still sometimes seasons where it is hard to write and it is hard to get the research done. What advice would you give to writers who are in the season where they want to do more, they want to establish more of a routine, but it's just not quite possible right now? I think you need to ask yourself what you need in order to write, because I don't really believe in writer's block. I think it happens when there's something that's out of alignment in our life that we actually need to take a closer look at. So for instance, for me, for a while, it was because I wasn't exercising as much. You know, not that I'm crazy going to the gym or something. Like I'm not (laughs) like a bodybuilder or, you know, I don't have some crazy workout routine. I just, because of all the lockdowns and everything, I was so sedentary that I just, you know, at some point you, that's just what your body needs to function. So (laughs) I realized, okay, I need to do some kind of exercise. And at the time it was doing just some yoga in my flat or even just going for a walk in the fresh air. That really helped a lot. So I think just ask yourself what it is that you need in order to write or in order to research. And also, I think sometimes it can be a little bit of perfectionism also. So you can feel like, that nothing is coming out right. And if you're wanting to write your novel, but you feel like maybe what you're writing isn't coming out the way you want it to, or it just doesn't feel right, maybe also ask yourself, okay, in this situation, what do I need? Because maybe, especially in the historical fiction, you need more research a lot of the time. And also perhaps you need to maybe understand your character's motives better or something like that. Like, I think don't beat yourself up that it's something to do with you because I think often it's just something that it's something that's not being attended to in your life or in your novel writing process. Yeah, that's really true. I think oftentimes when I'm blocked, it's because there's other things in my life that I might need to take care of first so that I'm then in the headspace to create, definitely. And I think it's also just a case of being kind to ourselves like no one is perfect no one can be 100% consistent all the time and these seasons do come then as you say it's just thinking about creative ways to get yourself back in the zone and it could be as we said setting super small goals or even just moving again just getting out in some fresh air it can be such a boost for me creatively I find or just moving physically I think it really does get you back in that headspace for sure so Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask, are there any tools that you would recommend to help establish a good research and writing routine? You've mentioned Notion, for example, for organizing research. Is there anything else that you find helpful? To help me do my routine, I read The Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
And this is really, really helpful. And I really recommend it to everyone that's trying to set like a routine or habits because it just shows you like the power of doing small things and doing just a little bit. And just like you said, especially when you have jobs and studying and stuff, that's it's just the only sustainable way to do it. So, yeah. But apart from that, I have some articles on my blog where I talked about setting routines. And I also have an article there that has like a Notion template in it so that you can track everything on Notion. So... Yeah, that's also maybe a good resource for you. Yeah, and we'll be linking your blog in the episode description so you guys can hop straight on there. It's claudiamerrill.com forward slash blog. And another thing that's interesting is during your studies, you did an internship with a publishing house. So it would be interesting to talk a little bit about what this taught you about the industry and the publishing industry in general. Yeah, sure. I was actually working there like part time during my studies. So when I started there, I was doing some copywriting, some copywriting, some social media management, and then also helping with some of the manuscripts, but nothing, you know, obviously nothing grand because I was still a student back then. (laughs) The main thing though that I did learn from that, I mean, the publishing house I was at was a nonfiction publishing house. So I think you know, sometimes there is a difference between publishing nonfiction and fiction books in terms of being discovered and things like that. But in general, I think a lot of the advice is the same. The first thing I learned, the first thing I was told actually, when I told them that I wanted to be an author, and this was a goal of mine, they told me that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And yeah, that really, <laughs> as a 20-year-old, I was really like, okay, really? Mm-hmm. I couldn't even, I think, comprehend how, you know, 10 years of work being put into something. But actually, the more that I've been on this journey, I realize it is true, especially when you listen to other people that have made it. So one of the people that I really like is Catherine Ryan. She's like a Canadian-British comedian. And she went through like so much difficulty in order to become such a well-known comedian. And I think stories like that just really show you that it doesn't happen by accident. And it also doesn't happen just because you write one manuscript. It happens because you consistently show up and you put in effort and you really, really try and you really put in the time and the dedication. And yeah, so I think because I knew that early on, I realized, okay, this is something you need to, like, if you want to do this, you have to take it seriously. And you have to, I think when I was also watching this episode of Queer Eye, one of the heroes on that was a musician and he had so many big breaks, but then he had like one setback and then he was almost going to give up. And Karamo, who like, he's so great. I think Karamo inspires everyone. And Karama was saying, you have to take your dreams seriously. Like if you don't take them seriously, then no one else will. And you have to be your own biggest cheerleader. So that's what I'm trying to do for myself as well. The other things I learned was that if you have a good manuscript and you have a really solid idea and you're able to execute it well, then you will find a publisher for it. There were so many manuscripts that I saw that were really good. And I was thinking, okay, they're very deserving of this. You know, they have a platform, but they have just a really good idea. And so, of course, they're getting published. 
but there were also books that came across the desk that were maybe not so great. And they're the books you pick up in the bookstore and think, how did this get published? No shade to any authors, but you know, it happens. Not every single book is going to be amazing, amazing 10 out of 10 because nothing is like that. So I think that also gives everyone hope that if you really spend time on your story and if you give it to other people and you, you know, you give it to an editor and you go to the effort and if people, you know, agents or editors are telling you, this is a really good idea, it has a lot of potential, then maybe, you know, you just, you should believe them and yeah, that it will happen eventually for you. Definitely. And you've already built a really strong following on Instagram. You have the most beautiful aesthetic and you share mythological decodings that have attracted literally thousands of people. So what advice would you give to other historical fiction writers who want to build a strong presence on social media? So social media is really about building connections, right? It's about like building a community and sharing what is unique about you or about your novel that only you can really give. So if you want to grow your platform, it's really about focusing on how you can authentically build connections with other people. Because even though it might be practical, you know, you have to have a platform if you're an author and you have to be on. Usually when I was at the publishing house, I said every big social media outlet, which was at the time like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then anything else is a bonus. Even though you practically have to be on there, you should still invest time into understanding the people on there, understanding the format, seeing what other people are doing, being inspired and following other people that you think are good and, you know, contributing to the community. I think you can't really go into it and just try to accumulate followers or accumulate like, you know, social media fame or something. I think the profiles that do well are the ones that focus on connection. And also then just from like a marketing point of view, you know, people engage with things that are more targeted towards them, which is finding a niche. So if your book is super unique, you know, you might like with you, you're writing about like in a medieval time period. So it makes sense to either share a content that's around that or maybe around like a medieval aesthetic. Or like you're doing, sharing like writing advice and writing tips because that's something unique to you. You know, you can share your own story with writing it and maybe other people will resonate with that and connect to that. So, yeah, I think it's about focusing on connection and also what makes your point of view unique. Definitely. I think we all have so much to offer the world and we've all got things that are interesting about us that we just need to bring into the foreground and... Which leads on nicely, if you could go back to yourself when you were just starting out as a historical fiction writer, what would you tell yourself? I think I would tell myself not to be so hard on myself and also not to worry about not knowing how it's going to turn out or not knowing how it's going to look. Yeah, I think at the beginning when I was first starting, I was so focused on doing everything perfectly and knowing so much before I could write anything and I think that's a really big pitfall because then you just don't spend that much time on it because you're so worried about messing it up yeah so I think I would tell myself just be consistent like just do a little bit and 
like I said before, if you don't know what to write, then ask yourself, why do you not know what to write? And then do something to, you know, fix that problem rather than just trying to push through or trying to avoid it. Yeah. That's really good advice because personally, I can have such a tendency to be really demanding with myself about the level of work I want. And it can definitely reach levels of perfectionism. And you're right, it can create this all or nothing approach where we either try to push through or we just try to avoid it because we don't know what to do. And it's much better to just think, okay, what's the problem here and how can we fix it? And I guess that looks different for everyone. That's something really good to keep in mind for everyone's writing journey, I think. Claudia, could you tell us how you balance your writing with your research? Because in historical fiction, there are two elements that are really connected with each other. How do you find a balance between the two? For me, I'm such a structured person that I need some kind of routine. Otherwise, I go crazy. So the way I do it is I block out time for research and then time for writing. So it depends on what stage I'm in. But for instance, like I said, when I first started, it was way more agile. I was researching one day and then writing the next day. Yeah, because that just seemed to work for me at that time. But now I'm at a stage where I really need to know more about the history and the mythology. I need to know it inside out because my characters know it inside out. So I need to know it inside out in order to actually write authentically from their point of view. So that is taking a lot longer, but using Notion, I'm tracking when I start that phase and then when I expect to finish it and then the actual time that I finish it. So I'm kind of chunking my time like that so that every time I sit down to do something, I know it's contributing to a bigger goal and that I'm not wasting my time because, you know, like you, we're both working full time. So the time that I do have outside of work is super precious and important. What about you, though? That's a really good way to approach it. I think for me, I will do some initial research before I start writing to make sure I understand the setting. I understand any social, political, big events going on at the time that I'm writing about because I don't want to mess up. <laughs> like I don't want to start jumping into the storyline and then find out halfway through that I don't know that something wasn't a thing. For example, I'm just starting a novel that's set in Italy towards the close of the Renaissance. And I found out quite early on that actually Italy wasn't Italy as we know it now. It was actually subdivided into several kingdoms. And so it would have been so easy for me to jump in talking about Italy this and Italy that. And it wasn't the way we see it today. So thankfully, I did that initial research because otherwise that would have been a bit embarrassing if someone picked up on that later on. So what I'll tend to do, yeah, is just get those basic things covered to make sure I know I'm not going to make any screaming mistakes in my first draft. And then I'll just go for it because sometimes I can get so caught up in the research, it kind of takes over the story and I'll be so paranoid about including every single detail that it will kind of get a bit lost. And so for my first draft, I just try to work off that baseline. If I need to look something up as I go, then I will. But then the first draft for me is really just telling myself the story. And then I almost see it like you're drawing a picture, you're drawing the outline, and then your second, third, fourth, fifth, fiftieth draft is when you go back and add the colors when you can then do the next round of research where you can go deeper and think okay yeah she was cooking but what was she cooking and you know just trying to take it that step deeper and add in the detail that seems to be working for me better this draft so that's the current approach I'm trying but I think it's probably different for everyone and everyone has their thing that works for me but that's really helped me to not get too caught up in research to the extent that the story kind of gets suffocated within that if that makes sense. 
That's really impressive, though, that you can... I mean, like you said, if the first draft for you is just telling yourself a story, but still, that's really impressive. <laughs> I think you have to... Like, because you're writing in, you know, medieval renaissance, I guess you have, like, a base understanding because you love that genre, so you know it kind of well anyway, right? That's the thing. I have a rough idea. I mean, I'm sure there's things that slip through the net that I then have to fix in later drafts. So, I mean, but that's the joy of first drafts. They don't have to be perfect, and it's the time when you don't have to be perfectionist and you can just let yourself go and play with it and then later you can go back and make sure that everything is ticking all the boxes and make changes if you have to yeah but it does help because I think I have done research a lot of research already I've done quite a lot of medieval and renaissance research already so I've got that sort of baseline to work from yeah and that seems to be working for this draft but (laughs) we'll see I might have changed my mind in six months (laughs) Sure. I read this quote once from this author called Shannon Hale, and she was saying about first drafts that I'm writing a first draft and reminding myself that I'm simply shoveling sand into a box so I can later build castles. And I think that really encapsulates exactly what a first draft feels like. It's not at all what it's going to be like when it finishes, you know. That's such a good way to remember it, because I think staring at the blank page it can be terrifying you're thinking right this has to be perfect from the beginning and if it's not I'm a total failure especially in historical fiction because you don't just have the story you also have this whole setting that you have to make realistic and maybe we need to kind of accept okay this isn't going to be exactly what we want it to be the first time it's impossible that we can just start creating that outline shoveling that sand as you say and then it will all come together in the end for sure yeah yeah. I also like between going from, you know, you finished the manuscript for your first novel and then you're working on the second one. And one author that I knew from Australia, she was saying that like every book is kind of like a baby. It always comes out and <laughs> it forms a bit differently. And that's really true. You know, every book has like its own unique needs and its own unique personality. And I think when you're first doing it, you just think, okay, this is what it's going to be like every single time. But actually, no, because you get better at it over time. But also the needs of the story are just different. So I think, you know, even your first draft, maybe, I don't know, for me, wasn't the case, but maybe the first one's really easy and then the second one is harder or the skill that you cultivate gets better over time. But then there's still going to be challenges. Like there's always something that's going to be challenging about it, I think. Definitely. I think you sometimes imagine yourself reaching this perfect level one day where you're like the book writing guru and words just flow and you write 10 books a year and it just comes like that. And it's interesting. Sometimes I follow some quite big writers on Instagram and it's interesting to see them still posting stories sometimes saying like, I can't get another word out right now or I don't know where this is going. And Maybe we have to reconcile ourselves to the fact that this feeling is never going to go away. (laughs) Like we're all going to feel slightly like imposters and like we don't know what we're doing. And that's just part of the journey and part of the adventure, I guess. Yeah. And I think imposter syndrome at the end of the day is just your ego. You know, it's the negative voice in yourself telling your true self that you can't do this or that it's difficult or whatever. But I think for me, the way I would see that I get around it the best is you just have to be like unattached from the end process. If you're only writing to finish the book, then you're always going to struggle and it's always going to be bad and you're never going to enjoy it, you know? And then when you have the final thing in your hand, you're going to feel disappointed because, you know, anything in life, it's not about when you get to the finish or it's not about when you complete something. It's about 
the process of doing it. Yeah. So I think if you can just like try to enjoy every single stage that you're at, even if it's, you know, you don't have to feel like ecstatic about doing, you know, research and reading the 50th page of a hundred page research book because, you know, no one is going to be over the moon about that. But I think just try to focus on what you're doing and what you find interesting about it because, you know, whenever I'm doing research, there's some points where I'm really sick of it and over it. But then when I'm writing, sometimes <laughs> I'm being nostalgic about the research time. So yeah, every part of the book has challenges and every book will have a challenge. But I think if you just stay focused on enjoying where you're at, because one day, like even for both of us, you know, one day we're going to be published authors and looking back at this time and be say, oh, it was so exciting and it was so adventurous and we were really doing the impossible and everything's so boring now because, <laughs> you know, so yeah. But also one more thing I wanted to talk about was that I think when you're starting out writing your book, you think it's going to get easier when you're a full-time author. But actually, I think this is the best time when you're writing your book, when you have to do it around everything else, not because it's easier or anything, but because there is no pressure. No publisher is demanding a manuscript from you in six months' time. You don't have the pressure of thinking about sales or thinking about what your marketing plan is going to be you know you can just really enjoy the story and the imagination and the moment that you're in because if you think it's difficult now it's only going to get more difficult when you're published you know and you will be able to adapt and find a strategy to deal with that when you're there but you shouldn't think like yeah when I'm published when I have deadlines it's going to be easier even if you have all day to work on it because I was even looking at authors throughout history and they pretty much only spent about two hours a day writing. So I think, you know, there's only so much you can write in a day. Even if you have eight hours free, it's not like you can really be productive for eight solid hours because you're not even like that at school or at work. So <laughs> that's such a good reminder because I think as writers, we can definitely be wishing ourselves to a different place. We can you constantly thinking, oh, when I reach this stage in my writing career, then I'll be satisfied. Once I've published my book, then I'll be satisfied. And if we can't learn to be satisfied where we are right now and to enjoy this part of the journey, we're never going to reach that level, this supposed perfect level that we want. So I think that's a really, really good reminder for me personally, because I'm definitely guilty of wishing myself into the next stage. And actually, if I can't enjoy this stage now, then when will I enjoy it? Because it's when we have the least pressure. Claudia, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences. If you'd like to keep in touch and follow her historical fiction journey, you can catch her on Instagram under the username Claudia Merrill, or you can visit her website at claudiamerrill.com where she's written several blog articles about writing and productivity. Our next episode will be with Cameron Brett, who has self-published two historical fiction novels set in ancient Egypt. We'll be exploring his advice on writing memorable adventure stories, how writers can successfully self-publish and market their historical fiction books, and more. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could follow and rate it. And if you're feeling extra nice, you can also leave us a review on your favourite podcasting platform. But most importantly, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back on here to chat with Cameron very soon.